I'm hoping that people come back out to lunch because I love restaurants so much and I love lunch. And COVID dissipated so much and certainly it affected this business and mm-hmm. if I can help people be like oh I'm going to call one person for lunch this month yeah you know that's a great thing like absolutely. that would just make me feel so good yeah absolutely so everybody go to lunch go to lunch <laughs> Welcome to Lunch with Shelly, the podcast featuring conversations with colleagues, friends, family, business leaders. At lunch, here's Shelly. Hello and welcome to a summer lunch at the ever-fabulous Et Voila restaurant. With me today is guest producer Cleavon Davis, a close pal of Claude's who's filling in while Claude is away and as we'll find out, is a great guy to boot. And our special lunch guest today is the awesome Lisa Camuso Miller, a fellow PR professional, a fellow podcaster, and a great, great person. This is going to be a really fun lunch, and I thank the two of you so much for being here in person, and thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. I am really excited to introduce Lisa today, since dining with her embodies so much about what I love about lunch. She is, as mentioned, a fellow PR professional, so she's an excellent person to network with. She's a fellow podcaster, so again, we can network and share useful information and lessons learned together. And while we already know each other pretty well over the years through tons of mutual friends, today gives us the chance to get to know each other even better and to deepen an already fun relationship, which are all the things that I truly believe lunch is perfect for. For a little more specific background on Lisa, she is a partner at Reset Public Affairs, where she successfully manages dozens of issue campaigns, communications crises, and public affairs programs, and she manages clients in the areas of earned media implementation and strategic planning. She appears regularly in print, radio, and on national TV, but on her podcast called The Friday Reporter... She turns the tables a bit and asks the tough or fun questions to the reporters themselves. It's a genius idea and a fabulous podcast, and we'll definitely want to talk more about the podcast, how she started it, and more. She's a Jersey girl, a mom, wife, daughter, sibling, etc. And since we have 81 mutual connections on LinkedIn alone, it's about time we got to know each other even more. So without further ado, welcome to the podcast, Lisa Camuso Miller, and let's have lunch. It is so fun to be here. It is so exciting to have you here. What's so fun is that I think this is the first podcast I've ever done. That it wasn't my own. Oh, really? Yes. Well, yours was the second or third one that I've ever done that wasn't my own, and I had a ball doing yours. It was that was so, so fun. Fun. I I started out with the concept to talk to reporters, like yeah. you said in your intro, but now it's evolving into just great conversations, which is what you're doing here. Yeah. With great food and right. great. You know, surroundings. Meanwhile, I'm still doing it out of my spare bedroom. <laughs> well, you know what? You are evolving as I'll be evolving. So maybe you'll start doing it in person, too, which I highly recommend. Although you need someone like Claude or Cleavon. So I don't know. To make, maybe it, steps. To make it work. Exactly. This, this looks way more complicated than the setup I, I have at home. My, I know. As, as I said before we got started, I learned how to do a podcast mostly on YouTube and by calling every friend I had that worked in broadcast. I'm so impressed. It was really, but it was, it was necessary because it was COVID. Like I couldn't go anywhere. There was nothing I could do. But I'm so technologically stunted 
that I just get freaked out even before I start. And that's bad because I probably could do more on my own, too. It just technology freaks me out. Yes. I mean, not in a horrible way. I just I'm afraid of it. I appreciate it. I love when other people do it. I just don't want to do it. But the sound has to be so good. Yeah. And that's so, and so it's smart that you have someone because there have been episodes that I've had where when I first started, I would call reporters on the phone. Right. I would like call them on the phone and the broadcast would be shaky because the connection was kind of lousy. Right, right. And I've gotten into the habit of if that happens again, like I will say stick with it. This is what's going to happen. You're going to hear some sounds around that are happening. Right. Um, as I just slam into my venue here <laughs> Who at cares? lunch. Um, but that's, I think... This medium is so important for sound because there's nothing else. Right. People want to hear great sound, so it's smart to have someone like Levon here to right. make sure that like sounds and levels are good, it's really consistent. I mean, that's what I like about the show that you have is like, even though you're here at, at lunch, it's not distracting that there are other sounds and things happening. Well, thank you, because there are definitely other sounds and distractions. Like, Levon was just listening to one of the most recent ones we did at the Palm, and the Palm has music. And a lot of distraction. Yeah. And, I, I mean, it's a testament to Claude, but also we keep it in because it sort of adds to the atmosphere. So Absolutely. if you cling your, I mean, I was eating breadsticks at the Palm. I don't care. <laughs> How could you not? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just, you know, like, let it go. So back to you. And you have over 100. You have 125, you said. 125 Patrick. or 130 episodes. But I was, um, I'm not, I don't, I, I didn't stop for different seasons, right? So right. when I first got going. I was doing an episode a week, and I, every single week I would crank out another 30-minute episode with another journalist friend of mine. Luckily, I've like been in this town long enough that right. I do have a lot of right. friends. But the one trick that I have employed in each episode is I ask for a recommendation. I know. So when I ask for that, typically that, what that does is that gives me a backlog of other people yeah. that I can check in with. It's and very ask. clever. Um, but I have to tell you the story. So yesterday I was I do TV once a week. I do a, like a national broadcast. And um, I'm sitting in the green room and I'm paying attention to one of the um, people that was on before me who I had never met in person but had been a guest on my podcast. Oh, funny. So I I looked up and I said, wait, we've never met in real life. It'd be nice to go say hello. So I did. And he, out of, both of us out of context, like for the first time, shook hands and said hi. But we'd had a 30-minute conversation where we talked about his background, his experience, all this other cool stuff. So... Washington's so funny, and COVID's made everything so weird. I know. We're still coming out of it, which yeah. is what I was telling you on your podcast. And I was also telling Cleveland, you know, there's a, a real, there's an authenticity, I hope, and an impetus on, or a focus on real conversations and the importance of being face-to-face. But there's also a small business aspect to this endeavor, too, because I'm hoping that people come back out to lunch because I love restaurants so much and I love lunch. And COVID dissipated so much, and certainly it affected this business. And mm-hmm. if I can help people be like, oh, I'm going to call one person for lunch this month. Yeah. You know, that's a great thing. Like, absolutely. That would just make me feel so good. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody go to lunch. Go to lunch. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I was also going to tell you about when you were talking about sound? Sometimes, I mean, and I'm watching TV all the time because like a Hill person, I still have the TV on in my Same. office 24-7. But sometimes their audio screws up, yep. the audio or video. And it just makes me giggle because it just feels much more human. You know yes. what I mean? Like, it's not just my audio. Or- right, right. And I think, I don't think I noticed that until I started to do right. a, a broadcast of my own because I just thought that it was always it was flawless always perfect. and it was always perfect. Exactly. And now you sort of see that and you think, 
Of course that's going to happen. Right. It's going to happen anyway. And they cut away and they're like, we'll be right back or I can't hear you. And yeah. I mean, and it's actually sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Happens all the time, too. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Tell everybody how you came from New Jersey to D.C. So I worked in New Jersey politics for seven years, and I really still liked working in politics, but the state was going to flip, right? It, it, we knew it was going to happen. Jim McGreevy had a very strong, he had like a crazy strong campaign. He was getting ready to come in. So I actually was transferred to the Washington office for New Jersey. So in, for people that don't know this, every state has a Washington office. Um, oh, and it's has, in that building in on the Hall of yeah, States, yeah, yeah. Um, right in the same building with like Fox News right. and all the other networks that are over there. Um, so I worked there for about about six weeks and um, at the time was interviewing and interviewing interviewing I'd send my resume into the um, administration I had worked on the Bush campaign in New Jersey so like I was really like hoping to get in and luckily just I was I mean I never remember being more dogged about a job than that one because I That's knew so I didn't want I knew I didn't want to stay in the governor's Washington office even though I was offered to stay but it was for a democratic governor right and I wasn't going to do that so sure enough I went I ended up in the Bush administration I was there for three years I worked in the White House liaison office at first who was first running year. that uh, Lori Rad okay. remember Lori Rad she I was don't. yeah she was there and she had gone on to then she went to White House political and then she went to the RNC she's a lifelong friend like amazing so she and I worked together for a year and then um, you'll remember that um, Trent Lott was had decided to leave the Hill. Right. And Ron Bonjean was his comms director. Right. And so Ron came over and went through the process in the White House liaison office. And when he was getting ready to take the job to be the head of communication, the head of public affairs for Secretary Evans, uh, he was like, well, I need a deputy. And he was he asked the White House liaison's office for communication resumes. And my background is in communication, but I was willing to take, I mean, I was willing, willing to like open the curtains if it, that's what I meant, right. like just have a job, like a real job in the Bush administration. So I did that. Um, and I was like working on Ron's paperwork and he was like, wait, this is the same woman that's working in the White House liaison office that just processed my paperwork. And they said, yeah, she has a background in communications actually. And he was like, then that's who I want to hire. Oh, great. Because we had had such a good rapport. So then, I mean, I worked for Ron for two years there and then he went to, back to the Hill and he was the head of comms for the speaker. Yeah. So I went to work for him. And then, um, and then the rest is history. So I've been here for 22 years. And did you have do you have a favorite job? Or I mean, were they all like? They were all so different, yeah. Shelley. I mean, I loved working for Secretary Evans. He was one of the coolest guys. And like everyone that worked at uh, the in the Commerce Department was like one great human after another. Like just right. a great group of people from everywhere. I'd never known more people. I mean, I'd only ever been in New Jersey my whole. I worked there. I lived there. I mean, I was almost 30 years old and then I moved to Washington. And I was like all these people from everywhere it opened my eyes to like the way the rest I of the world I felt the same exact was, way I know right yeah um, so in terms of favorite jobs that one was amazing as I mentioned I had seen 36 states in China for three weeks uh, and then you know the other job that really sort of stands out to me there were so many I mean I was so lucky I've been so lucky in my career but the other one that really stands out to me in terms of not because of the work but because of how much how many resources we had was I was the spokesperson for the clean coal campaign. You'll remember those I ads saw that. Way, yeah. way long ago. Um, there was a, it was right before Obama ran for reelection. It was a huge effort. I mean, it was like over $30 million campaign. So we were flush with cash. Like there was never, cause every project you and I work on for clients is like, we only I have know, this there's a budget. Money. I know we only, so you yeah. have to really work within the confines of right. a small budget. Right. We had 
a lot of resources, and it was remarkable. But then, of course, you know, the campaign didn't go well. I mean, obviously, restrictions, more and more restrictions on the coal industry. The industry itself had to figure out other ways to, like, either reinvent themselves or do other things. So the campaign really sort of has become, you know, very, very small. There's still a little bit of a presence here, but... Not like it was when I was I there. I feel like it's about to be resuscitated, though, because the issue of clean energy is a huge one again. Mm-hmm. And uh, this administration has taken a very different tack. And I think that there's um, a counterbalance that's resurging again. Yes, I think that there is. Yeah. Um, not so much for the coal industry itself, but like no, I read but yesterday, like even the biggest oil and um, natural gas companies are looking for ways to, to do better. Right? Precisely. Do, so that's, that's what I was really cool. referencing, like more natural gas. Yeah. 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 It's amazing. So, but those, those campaigns that are well-funded are fun to work on because you're yeah. not, you're not, you know, they're like, how do we do you're this? You're not penny well, pinching. This is I know. the resource that right. we have that we can use. Great, let's do that. We're going to fund Politico for this whole week, and then we're going to do this massive ad campaign, right. and we're going to hire three agencies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And that's I what know. we we had an agency for everything. It was amazing. You are listening to Lunch with Shelley. So how many kids do you have? I have two. That's what I thought. I have a 17-year-old son, and I have a 15-year-old daughter. And I am in the throes of the college application process. Oh, my gosh. But only for the 17-year-old. Only for the 17-year-old. But both of them are driving, right? Uh, The the younger (laughs) one has a permit. So I'm driving with her. Oh, my gosh. Uh, It is – that is one – it just seems so tremendously unfair that you teach people how to drive <laughs> when they're teenagers because they already know everything. And then you have to sit in the passenger seat and and pretend like, yes, yes, I know you know this, oh God. but I'm going to. It is. It Are you being facetious? You. Do you really think that they know it? No, God, right. no. <laughs> uh, so the oldest has a driver's license. And right. He's, uh, he's a pretty responsible dude. I, the good thing, I think, about driving as a teenager now is that if you are going to go out and have a good time with your friends, there are you so Uber. many ways to get home. Yeah. Uh, that we those options were not Correct. around. Plus, I think people are a little more open, uh, open-minded or open eyes open to it, maybe. Like, parents are saying, like, if that's going to happen... Of course, I don't condone it, right. but get an Uber and come right. home. Or, or I will come we'd get like you. to have people at our house and everybody can Uber there or something yes. like that. Yeah, yes. our generation parents differently. Yes. What about you? Do you have kids? No, no. I'm 25. <laughs> I, You're kidding. Yeah, so I'm not there yet. <laughs> Nowhere no near no. there yet. <laughs> There's no rush for that. Wow. Yeah. I did not get all the background on you. But yeah. 25, mm-hmm. my God, you're a year younger than my son. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's so interesting. And do you drive? Yes. I, I, <laughs> as soon as I could get behind a wheel, I would. Right. so interesting, yeah. but there are people. My son doesn't have his license. He does not have a license. No. no. And it's so common. I mean, I it don't think common. it's 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 um, the majority of kids, but it is common. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's more common now than before because you have so many options. There's so right. Much. Yeah. There's scooters, there's bikes, there's Ubers, there's taxis, there's like everything. Yeah. Right? Well, and I mean, I grew up in a small town. I would consider, I guess, where you grew up rather a small it town. It was definitely a small town yeah. where I grew up. Yeah. And what would you consider yourself to be, a small town or a DC's. mix, I guess? No, yeah. No, well, D.C., but then Alabama and boarding school. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, know. those definitely were small town. Well, uh, I was in Huntsville, which is kind of a NASA hub. So that's yeah. kind of an implant city as well, kind of like D.C. But, right. There's um, a lot of politics around that city it right is. now, too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely growing. Um, so people say, oh, you, went to, you were in Alabama? I'm like, 
it wasn't what you think it <laughs> what you think it but was. But you know what? The, this is a, a terrific aside, but our country is so gorgeous. I've been having a lot of um, travel envy, as you and I discussed Me the other too. day. Yes. But um, and and most of it is Europe based. But this country is so beautiful. I'm sure Alabama is awesome. Oh, I'm sure the people are very nice. State. You know, like every place has great stuff about it. Mm-hmm. Does Alabama have barbecue or what? what is their food? Yes, just southern cooking. Uh, yeah, barbecue, ribs, I guess. I mean, I wasn't really part of the culture down there, but that's definitely like if you go anywhere, they got a lot of definitely like, uh, I don't even know what you call them, like roast pig joints or whatever uh-huh. you call them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, roast pig joints mm-hmm. counts. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, my son is so urban. He just, I mean, it's something that he wanted to do actually during COVID, which was ironic because really? I wanted him to take, you know, personal driving lessons. And mm-hmm. I don't think they were doing that during COVID, although oh. probably with a mask. But I took him driving a few times and it just made me crazy. It is. I mean, I, definitely I don't think it's a job for a parent. I think you have to money whip it. Absolutely, man. <laughs> totally agree. Totally agree. It's hard. Let's talk about lunch. Okay. So do you cook? I do. What? What? Are you Italian? Italian. Yeah. Okay. Well, Italian Irish. Right. But um, I love that combination. I, for some weird reason, I was just telling someone the other day. I think an Italian Irish combo is so fun. <laughs> we call it the Jersey Mutt because everybody, everybody I know is half Italian, half Irish. Um, my mom's, my father's family is uh, from Italy, um, and so we have all which the is old the residents. Miller. No, my oh, Camuso. My father is Camuso. Yeah, my married name. Okay. Um, so my father's family is from Tarazi, which is not that far from Naples, so that sort of region. Um, but have been here for, for my grandmother came over when she was 12. She lived to be 109. Oh, my about goodness. that, yeah. Um, and uh, so we have all was the she old ornery? family recipes. Oh, heck, yeah. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to put a pin in my story about my cooking for one second. I remember being, because in New Jersey, like, not everywhere they teach you how to speak Italian. Like, you know, you could take Spanish, you could take French, you could take German. In New Jersey, inevitably, there's a, there, I took Italian for four That's years. fantastic. And then I took Italian for three more years in college. By the way, I can only find the bathroom and then curse you out. I was going to say, <laughs> um, say something not, cool. It's not very good. No, it's not okay. that good. Um, <clears throat> but my mom's father was immigrated from Ireland, from Northern Ireland. He was a Catholic from Belfast. Crazy. Um, but he was a cook. And he was a cook his whole life. And even at the end, and after he had had, he like worked in like, you know, diners and like traditional staples, like just beautiful American food. But when he retired from the restaurant, he started really cooking like gourmet, like beautiful gourmet food. So oh my, like, goodness. my mother was a great cook. All her sisters are great cooks. And my dad has this great staple of, of like beautiful family recipes. He also is a great cook. So growing up, cooking was a big wow. part. Wow. Like, you would be going to breakfast and be talking about what was for lunch that right, day. Right, right, right. And at lunch, we would be figuring out what we were going to have for dinner. Well, this is a horrible thing to ask. I have so many Irish friends, which is also sort of a stupid thing to say. But, like, what would be the best Irish meal that... Uh, when I was in Ireland, yeah, the food surprised me. It's so farm fresh. I mean, talk about farm to table. Everything there is so farm. No reason, but what would be like? Is it Irish stew? Like, what's the most authentic my Irish? Mother, my mother made meal. the best uh, corned beef and cabbage ever. Okay, the best. She would make um, my favorite 
my favorite mashed potato is with um, is called Colt Cannon, which is basically mashed potato with onion and kale in it. It's delicious. Wow, it's delicious. Um, I'm sure there's and nineteen thousand pounds of butter too. I'm sure. Right, <laughs> but a lot of really and a neat, pinch of salt. Yeah, and a little <laughs> bit of salt. But um, I would say my mother was a great cook, and she cooked everything. So it wasn't just Irish cooking. It was just it was everything. She made all kinds of great things because my grandfather loved to cook like French cooking. He loved. Um, Julia Child, so he like, wow. like, had all her cookbooks and like made all these beautiful French. He used to make ice cream. I'll never forget it. Like he used oh to make gosh. peach ice cream in the summer, like with fresh Jersey. We peaches. even owned an yeah. ice cream maker at one point, but it was terrifically underutilized. <laughs> <laughs> but so your father, your mother's father, cooked for fancy restaurants in Northern Ireland. Not like no, no, no. He was always in America. He came, oh, he came oh, okay. over on the boat when he was two. Oh, okay. Yeah, his sister oh, was so four. Oh, so he was a and chef his father here. Was a, yeah, so oh, he was. Well, okay. he was a he was a cook. He had a, rest, a small like luncheonette, and then uh, the luncheonette closed, and he went and worked at a local at a diner. So he made like traditional, just traditional food. Oh, okay. And then no, when he cooked beautiful gourmet, it was for the family. So he used to make. I mean, he used to take us out to these amazing restaurants. To this day, still, we used to the day after Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, he would cook everything, right? Beautiful. Everybody would contribute, but my grandfather would make the meal. And the next day, he'd insist on going out, right? And we'd go to this beautiful restaurant, like not that far from where we were all we were all staying together, like at my fa- one of my family's homes. And my grandfather would have me order like filet mignon and escargot because he wanted me to like you know try new things and do things. So. That sounds like a great meal. It was a great meal. Yeah. But a couple years into it, my aunt and uncle were in town from uh, Maryland, and we were, you know, getting together, and we were on our way out to this fancy dinner we do the day after Thanksgiving. And me, at like seven years old, looked at the waitress and said, I'll have the escargot and the filet mignon. And my great uncle said, I can't wait to meet the guy that marries this girl. (laughs) So. That's really funny. Yes. I love to cook. I love to cook. Well, wait, just get back to your uh, father's side, though. Yeah. What did he cook? Everything. And now... But like, what was his thing? <sighs> like, if you could think of one thing. I'm not sure. I mean... Like, pasta-oriented? Always pasta-oriented. Right. But all, my, he and my mother were always in the kitchen cooking something. So, like, I can't even... I, I can't even identify one thing. I will say now, my father's, my father's, like, language of love is food, though. Because even now, he'll send me a text on a Tuesday and say, I just made three pounds of... Or, you know, like... Pasta epicelli, which right. is like a pasta with peas, right? So like oh. he just make he's and he, of course it's just him because my mom has passed, and he's like I'm bringing over two pounds of pasta for the kids, and like literally people will be eating pasta for a week in my house. Because, That's so lovely because Baba Moose made up his uh, you know whatever it is that he's made for the week, but it's always something. But his my favorite thing and my favorite thing that the kids love too is um, he makes potato. He loves to make potato and egg cake, which is kind of like what we just had for lunch, but it's basically like a frittata. Oh, okay. It's just, it's perfectly simple. Eggs, potatoes, Parmesan cheese, salt, pepper. It's Yum. delicious. Yeah. So frittata, not a quiche? Nope. Okay. More like a frittata, but it's like probably two inches deep. Goodness it's gracious. Delicious. It's delicious. So what is your meal? I mean, everything. But I always try to, what we try well, to do. Well, what's your go-to, what is the pasta, best that you do? Always. I okay. mean, the best that I do, I yeah. don't know, pasta. I made, uh, I made puttanesca two weeks ago with Jersey tomatoes. It was amazing. I mean, I still can taste it because it was so good, right? Just fresh tomato sauce. Um, I put it on everything, too. Like, I put it over pasta the first day. The second day, we made steaks on the grill. I put that all over the steaks. It was amazing. So oh, my good. goodness. Um, so that's probably my most recent favorite thing that I made because it's just yeah. fresh tastes like the summer to me well and if you were going to go somewhere for lunch what would be either your what's your favorite DC lunch spot and what would be your dream lunch spot my favorite 
favorite DC lunch spot? <sighs> there are so many. I know. Um, Cleveland, you have to think about this too. I do. I love. <laughs> I love the chicken parm at the Palm. I mean, Ooh, I love the chicken palm at the Palm. That's really it's, good. It's, it's as big as the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll never forget. I wore a beautiful dress <laughs> like the day that I went there, and I was like, "Oh, I'm." Re- I was really worried that I was going to wear it. So my friend famously took a picture of me with my lobster bib on as I ate my right. chicken parmesan. Um, I love a bib. I do not care at all about wearing a bib <laughs> no, when I'm eating lobster. Because I always wear my food. Yeah, I know. Me too. So I really love I love the palm. Um, the palm is super fun for lunch, too, because you see people that start coming in, particularly yes. if it's Thursday or Friday, yeah. for a very early happy hour. Absolutely. I know. The palm is a party. It's a, That's a fun place. You're listening to Lunch with Shelly. Well, where would be your dream lunch spot? Anywhere in the world. Oh, anywhere in the world? Yeah. I've never been to Italy. I'm going, I'm going <gasps> Are to you Italy. Kidding? When I go, that I'm going to That is the most wrong thing you could possibly say. I know. How could I've that possibly been. be true? I don't know. I dared to have kids, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're going. I mean, but it's didn't totally like your my... father make you go, or wasn't no. there a relative you needed to see or something? He's been a couple of times. He's been, but you know, it also like I didn't. We didn't really have very much growing up, so it wasn't like that was something that we right. could do. Like we all never the really time, right, right, yeah. right. Um, so they've been a bunch, and I have family there too. So like, I bet. I, oh, there'll be family to see. Of and course. To visit. So yeah. Like, I, they'll I go bananas. Cannot wait to go. Um, and it's like it's. Uh, I gotta get this kid. I gotta get him launched. I gotta get him to <laughs> oh go to college. God. And then when that college happens, I'm is going. So to, expensive. Yes, I know. So that's a big part of it. <laughs> right. But it's definitely. It's in my sights. I cannot wait to go. Oh. But I. I just got back from London. Right. That is a great city. Like such a great city. Like I had so many great meals there. What were like, you doing there? My sister had a conference to go to for like five minutes, and she was like, "Let's make a week out of it." So we went. Um, it's right before my fiftieth, so it was like we went and like made it a trip. It was beautiful, great city, so good. Where did you stay? Um, we stayed in Mayfair. I'm going to forget the name of the hotel. Small, beautiful boutique hotel. It was amazing. It was just the people were great. The food was great. I loved it. I loved it. And the year before, we went to Dublin and we like traveled around and saw a bunch of Ireland. And Ireland was amazing. Like, do you still have family there? No, I mean somewhere in Ireland. I'm sure that I do, but it's right. distant. Well, that's exciting, then, that you have something to aspire to. Although, you're right. London is super cool. I haven't been to Europe in four years. Not that that's, you know, so shocking. but Yeah, but still. Absolutely. Certainly not since COVID. No. You're listening to Lunch with Shelley. This is what I was telling you the other day, and I'm less exercised about it because I think I might have gotten some of it out of my system. But I told you that I was having FOMO about um, everybody's vacation. Yes. And everybody saying that they were relaxed or rejuvenated or blah, blah, blah. Yes. So how has your summer been? And are you at the point where you're relaxed and rejuvenated no. to start the new school year? No. We didn't go on vacation. Right. Um, and part of it was because we have had some family stuff and some other things that have came up. Um, so we took like a couple short, like I went to New Jersey for a couple of days. My sister had a place up there. So we did that. Did you go to the shore? Uh, went to the, yeah. So Where? I was in the beach, uh, Spring Lake. Did so I, I ever like, tell you I was a beach tagger at Stone Harbor? No. Were yes, you really? I was. One of my greatest summers ever. Let me tell you ever. what, when I retire, that's the job I'm going to... My husband and I still are having this argument about where we're going to retire to, but I was like, I'm going to New Jersey and I am going to... Uh, yes. I, will, I was like, I will go to New Jersey. I'll be a beach tagger. Be perfect. Thank you. Um, I don't feel rested and re- relaxed, but you know what? Everybody I talk to is feeling the same way. Even though, like, I, there are some people that are saying that they're making themselves be bored. 
for August, like trying not to check email, trying not to be on you know social media, trying not to do in that because they need to be refreshed and ready right. for the fall. Um, I don't feel that way, but I feel like the news is constantly kicking right. because you and I both have the TV on all right. the time. I feel like it has sapped my energy completely. I feel tired. I'm like I'm really tired, and a lot of people I talk to are tired. I'm exhausted. Yeah, I've been exhausted this week. I've been exhausted since I got back from Florida, which is crazy. And I don't know exactly what it is, but I, the notion of how to get refreshed is really top of mind. The last conversation I had with Claude, which I loved so much, was um, the notion of self-care, which is not terribly distant from this idea. Yeah. But Claude had really great ideas about self-care. One really? of his best ones, I thought, from the last episode was that what he does is he'll take a whole week and say no to things that he doesn't want to do. Really? It's one of the best answers I've heard of anyone say. I love that. I know. It's genius. I love that. Do you know him that very well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that that is like the greatest. Because most people say, get a massage, get a pedicure, walk in the woods, all of these things that I do. But saying no, I mean, actually, so the notion of self-care is really personal. Or it should be personalized. Like, self-care to me could be watching... Sex in the city in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's a luxury for me that I don't get, but it's different for different people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, I love that answer. But now, my new question, which is a cousin of the first question, is how do you revitalize yourself or, or generate creative thoughts? Like, do you have any thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> any suggestions? So, I fall in and out of practice, but I do definitely try to meditate. Do you? I do. Oh, my God. I want to do an episode fall, on meditating. I fall in and out of practice. Like, I will I will be on a track, and I'll be, you know, 20 days in a row. That's great. fantastic. Like, you know, just five, ten minutes a day. Like, nothing really remarkable or different. Um, but it does, I think, quiet my mind. And I haven't done it in probably two months. So maybe, maybe this is my reminder yes. to myself to get back to, yes. to meditating. Because I do think that for me, even just five minutes in the morning or five minutes before I go to bed at night, it definitely unloads like it definitely like takes some of the weight of all the stuff that's like running around in my head and lets it go that's fantastic mm-hmm. i uh give lip service to the notion of wanting to meditate but i have a terrible time doing it and it's very difficult for me to start yep I have an app on my phone. It doesn't cost you a thing because there are plenty of apps that would be happy to charge you money. Right, right. It's called Insight Timer. Um, you can pick whatever, you know, you can search like grief or... Insight or inside? In, in, insight. Okay. Insight Timer. Okay. And you basically can say, I'd like to meditate for five minutes and you pick what it is you want to listen to. And it'll be five minutes of, of sound, five minutes of music, five minutes of guided meditation. And it's just enough that it really makes a difference. And when I stop doing it before I go to bed at night, I sleep poorly. So when I do it, I actually sleep quite a bit better. So you're a night meditator rather than a morning meditator. I would prefer to do it in the morning, but I end up always doing it right before bed. Like, last thing to check off my list before I go to sleep. Fascinating. Yeah. And what is your favorite sound? I love the... um, the sound bath that they do have you ever had that like yes you, i I'm actually sure they do did a blast. sound bath have you done yeah. a sound bath where yeah. they do that with the with the bowls yeah that's cool and it really like it resonates with me um i've definitely had massage where she does like a sound bath during that too and that helps i mean i know these are all first world problems but right. like, those kinds of things to me like even if it's just five minutes on my free app it makes a difference i think that's a fantastic answer mm-hmm. because i feel like somehow i have this notion that 
probably because I was in Florida for so long, I just want to wear a sweatshirt. And I want to be on top of a mountain. And I want to be somewhere sort of chilly and vast. Mm -hmm. And I just don't think that that's going to happen anytime soon. And if I were in a sweatshirt on top of a mountain (laughs) somewhere (laughs) chilly and vast, would that even make a difference? Like, I don't know, you know? I don't know. Because the pictures look so good, but as you and I have discussed, and it's one of my favorite conversations with Jean, what it looks like and what it actually is are most often totally two different totally things. different things. But you could do a guided meditation that um, that is like on the mountaintop, or yeah. like because you could search, and they have all kinds of. So think about that as something yeah. to like consider. I'll put a bunch the of idea fans for my po- the idea for my the idea for my podcast um, came after like I was consistently meditating. Really? Yeah. Like I was just, I had a clear, like a clear thought one day. I was like, I wonder if I could do that. And it had been because I was consistently like taking that minute, five minutes every day to like just be quiet. Like let my brain like slow down, like shut, what do they call it? The monkey mind, right? Stop those like crazy thoughts for a moment. And I was doing that consistently for a couple of weeks and months. And then all of a sudden I was like, huh. And it thought kind of came to me. And then I started to text. I texted a couple of journalist friends. I was like, if I started a podcast would where you I be interviewed on? a j- journalist, would you do it? Would people do that? And they, both the people that I asked were like, yes. Yes, they would. And no one has ever said no. It's a genius idea. Well, thanks. And it's a fabulous podcast. It's really fun. And what you and I, I think, do, although you're much more succinct, I think, is that it, we're both rather short. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like it to be like, I think that just like any, I call it snack size. I mean, that's the joke I made when we talked, but it is snack size. It's just short enough that you can have a short conversation. Some of my friends tell me they listen to it on 1.5 speed. Like they can, you can even speed up a podcast. Do you know this? My speed is too, I actually need to uh, lower my speed because sometimes when I'm listening to something, it sounds very jumbled. Mm. And I don't know why. But also my phone is dying. It's a whole other thing. But back to your <laughs> – that's a next week issue. But back to your podcast, it is genius. So do you love it? I do love it. I periodically come into – I used to um, – twice now, I think I told you this when we talked the other day. Twice now I've had moments where I was either – I don't know if it was – I kept thinking like it was fatigue or like I had run out of ideas. or. And I said to a friend of mine who was – I said, uh, I'm just, I, I don't know, I'm just not motivated by it right now. He said, you have writer's block. And I said, What? You don't, I don't even write for the show. Right. And he said, no, but it's the equivalent of writer's block. Right. Like, you're just having a less than creative moment. He's like, take two weeks off. You're not, nobody's paying you to do this every week. Right. It's just you. You're the boss. Give yourself two weeks off and think about something new and fresh and different. And that was the best advice he gave me. And he gave me advice to, like, see about doing, like, some – like, I did a women's – uh, a women broadcast women, – women in broadcast series. And I did a women of – radio series like I did a couple of different things one of them the women in broadcast I did right after Barbara Walters passed away that's fantastic yeah that's a genius idea different ideas like ways to repackage it make it interesting different fun fresh um, just to kind of shake it up that last part of our conversation about meditating and motivation is just really inspiring. And by the way, you are inspirational to me. You oh, really are. Thank you're you for saying that. cool. You're doing it all. Your podcast is genius. Your company is fantastic. And I am so, so grateful that you came all the way over here to have lunch, although it was a delicious lunch, but it was really lovely of you to spend so much time with Shelley, us. So thank you so much. Me. I love that you're doing this. I mean, it, to me, it's just so fun that the two of us are sort of 
doing these new creative projects. Yeah. If you had told us 10 years ago that we'd be doing this, both of us would be like, no way. I know. So I'm so proud of you. And I love the work that you're doing on this show. And I wish you a million, a million more successes. Well, thank you so much. I will take that. I will wish both of us a million more successes. Cleavon, it has been so terrific to have you on. You are absolutely adorable. And you were really fun to include in today's lunch. So Everyone, thank you so much for listening to this lunch. Come to Evoila. The food was unbelievable, as always. And have a wonderful rest of your August. And in the meantime, peace, love, and lunch. Bye-bye.